You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. Uh, I, this podcast series based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. And thank God we win in Christ today. We're going to have a, a special uh, session today uh, for the last five lessons, four or five lessons. I've been talking about race and talking about racism, and we began by talking about George Floyd, the uh, his death and and how what happened as a result of that, and and I thought it was going to end there, and then we end up sharing four lessons on it. And I spent a lot of time giving you a lot of information because I know it's important to have understanding before you can have an intelligent discussion. So I know that you've had questions. I know that you've had comments. I know that you wanted to say something. So this entire session today, I didn't really come prepared. I don't have a script. I didn't come in with a lot of information that I was going to give first. It's about Q&A. It's about your questions. It's about uh, let's discuss. It's maybe you just want to comment. Maybe you just got some feelings that you want to share. And I believe that it's going to be the uh, blessing for you today. I believe it's going to be great. Now, I, I, got, I got a question that, that came in and I want to I want to give this uh, answer this question, and then we're going to go to our list. What would be the best thing to see if you are in a forum with both black and white pastors? I think a forum with black and white pastors would be wonderful. I think it would be outstanding. Now, my uh, thoughts on it, I wanted to be able to share my thoughts and my feelings, and I would also be willing to hear what other pastors have said or have taught so that when we have a discussion and talk about it, it's not just surface stuff. You know, uh, you know I believe in an honest, deep dialogue. I, I don't think we can get it by surface stuff. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get information. This is what I think. This is what I believe. This is what the Spirit of God has shared with me. I am open to any white pastor or any other pastor will give me information about what you think and what you feel. And then I'll have some idea what you think and what you feel. And then we'll have a forum. I think then we can have some deep talk not shallow. I love you. You love me. Uh, let's eat lunch together. No, we got to have some deep talk, honest talk, and it's very uncomfortable. You know, it's very uncomfortable. But to answer the question, I think it would be wonderful to have black and white pastors to discuss this very, very, very important subject. I got a qu another question here. It says, with white people being in the majority, if their pastors don't teach on prejudice and racism, how will their members' minds be renewed? 
I know black pastors have to teach on it too. Look like the body of Christ is in trouble in this area. Okay. I think there was another question uh, similar to that. Now I'll read that question as well, and then we'll, we'll uh, talk about it. Another question that was similar to that, it was, if whites are the majority and renewal of mind is important, how can the church get better if on both sides the pastors doesn't teach on it? Now, I think that's, I think those are great questions, and I think the, the premise and the thought behind it is that we have to have teaching in order to have mind renewal, whether it's uh, blacks teaching black congregations and whites, pastors teaching white congregation, we have to have teaching. Now, let me, let me say this. I am uh, also concerned about this area because I don't think on either side are we actually teaching on racism? I don't think black pastors are teaching on it. I mean, biblical Bible-based teaching on it. I don't think white pastors are actually teaching on it. Not, I'm not a racist, but I'm talking about teaching on it. So I totally agree with you that we need teaching in order for our minds to be renewed. Now here is, you said that it looks like the body of Christ is in trouble in this area. Well, here is my thoughts on it. And I'll share with you. Um, I have an optimistic thought about this area. Uh, let's talk about white people, white pastors. I don't think that all white people are racist, and I don't think that all white pastors are racist. And uh, I think that there are good, godly, God-loving white pastors and white Christians. Okay. Now, in every move of racial uh forwardness or a movement toward equality. If you go all the way back to slavery, uh, there were white people who were uh, abolitionists. They, they were against slavery. Many of them was in the North, but they was against slavery. When we come up to the civil rights movement, <clears throat> you remember now, uh, Blacks didn't have anybody in any kind of authority position. There were no black police officers. There were no black uh, congressmen, no black um, nowhere. There were no blacks in, a, in authority positions anywhere. And there was a critical mass of white people who had enough empathy and had enough compassion and enough love and Christ on the inside of us to support the movement. So I honestly believe that there is a critical mass of white people who will speak out. Now, I'm, I'm believing that with all my heart, that there's a critical mass of white people 
who want equality, ain't dealing with no prejudice, and I believe that they will speak out. Now, I have this confidence that as we get to moving in this situation, we're going to have more white pastors to speak out on it. Now, uh, the church, another basis of my confidence is the church. Now, Jesus says something about the church, and, and see, the just shall live by faith. Jesus said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Now, that's what Jesus said. And he also, the scripture also said in Ephesians chapter 5, it says that, that the church will be presented back to God a glorious church without spot or without wrinkle. So even though it may look like we're not making any ground, it may look bad in the natural, ultimately the church is going to address this situation because we cannot be a glorious church and we cannot overcome if we don't deal with racism. I have confidence also that we ultimately will win in the area of racism in the church is because racism is a spirit. It is a, a spirit of division. And the Bible says in John, 1 John 4 and 4 that we have overcome because greater is he that's on the inside of us than he that is in the world. So Racism is raging right now, but ultimately the Holy Spirit is greater than the spirit of division. Also, I believe that God in this season is raising up black pastors to lead some things. Now, here's what I mean by that. I believe that in some cases... It is difficult for white Christians and white pastors to lead in the area of racism. White pastors have a white point of reference, a white worldview, and they also have a white experience. That's not negative, that's true of blacks. Black people and black pastors have a black point of reference, a black worldview, and also a black experience. So I'm convinced and I believe that God is raising up black forces to speak and lead in the area of racism because we are the experts in this area. And that, that's something you may want to th think about. I also believe that what God is doing now, and I'm still dealing with this issue of it looks like the church is in trouble. Sometimes God goes around to get his job done. God wanted to use Israel to reach the world. Israel turned inward. The Jews turned inward looked down on the Gentiles, and so God went around the Jews to the Gentiles to reach the world. He's not through 
with the Jews. He's not through with his people. He's going to use his people. I believe in this time, in this season right now, God is going around the church. He's working in the world, and a lot of these things that are happening in the world is God, trust me. And I believe that God is going to use the world to provoke the church to jealousy, but ultimately he will, he will use the church. Let's look at another question. When dealing with not so nice people, how do we respond to others yelling the N-word or other obscenities, or do we just ignore it and pray for them, keeping that Peter spirit at bay? That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good question. Well, let's let's look at it like this. When you know we, it, it, you know, I won't say every black person, but I will say most black people that have come to age, teenagers or older, at some time have heard the N word. You know, well, the body, you know, the body, you know, it, it based is based on on reacting in love. I mean, I mean, you have to choose to believe what others say about you. It's a choice that you make. I mean, it's a, it's a choice. Jesus says that we're to love our enemies, bless those who curse us, do good to those who hate us, pray for those that despitefully use us. In other words, he's teaching us that the way you overcome evil is you overcome evil with good. You don't overcome evil by cursing back. So when you hear those words, you you react in love. You, you don't let it get in your spirit. You don't let others give definition to you. Because they use the N-word doesn't make you that. Because they curse you doesn't make you that. You have to choose to give others weight to, uh, you have to choose to give weight to others' words spoken against you. Uh, another question. Hey, pastor, I'm in college. How do I take what you've been teaching into my classroom to help my classmates learn too? That's that's a, that's a real good question. Here here's here's the deal. I think I think it's critical for any person and especially classmates because in college we we tend to make and develop relationships quicker than we do in society. Because we're going to class with each other, we playing ball or athletics, and we're in activities together. So in school, it's easier to develop relationships. So I would suggest that those that you have that are friends or others who are of another race, I would suggest that you take the information and take parts of the information and have little discussions on it, have focus groups on it. Uh, you don't have to take everything. Uh, you can also encourage them to listen to the podcast, but take parts of it and in small groups with friends, discuss it. Let them say what they want to say. You say what they want to say. Because the key to this whole thing is communication. 
So I would take different segments of it and form small groups and sessions with friends of a different race and have a discussion about it. I think that's a, I think that's a great question. How can I engage white people about their white silence when it comes to racial equality issues, brutality against black and, and brown people? Well, you know, I, I am, um, I am doing a, I'm doing a um, teaching in a couple of weeks called Muted Voice. And one of my lessons is on why white people struggle talking about racism. That, that's basically the subject that I'm going to be dealing with. I think it's a hard, I think it's a hard subject. And I think that you can't make anybody black or white talk. You can bring the subject up. You can ask people, do they want to talk about it? But we don't have authority to make people discuss. We don't have authority to make people open up. I think sometimes if you have a relationship with people, you can ask them to listen to the podcast and say, what do you think about that? What did you think about this subject? Or my pastor said this, what do you think about it? I, I think that uh, engagement has to be two-sided. I think people have to want to discuss it. And I think, I really believe that there are people who are willing to talk if it's not condemning. Nobody wants to be condemned. I think if we approach it properly, I think that there are people, especially, in fact, the, the best way we can talk about it now is the whole world is talking about it. The sports world is talking about racism and equality. Entertainment is talking about it. You can take one of those areas, entertainment, the Oscars talking about doing some things, businesses talking about changing products and advertising. Bring up those subjects and ask people, what do you think about it? And I think it will open up an opportunity for discussion. How do we respond to friends and family that are set on constantly being angry and try to make you be angry with them all the time when you're trying to find peace doing everything that is going on? Well, you know, I don't spend a lot of time with angry people. Bible says make no friends, make no friendship with an angry man. I don't spend a whole lot of time. If you want to get angry and blow up and act crazy and, and, and all that, and you don't want to engage in an honest, open, respectful conversation, then it's a waste of time when I think about it. If somebody is just angry. Now, here's, the, here's what I've been open to. If you're listening to me and let's say you're angry, I want to hear what you got to say. But when, you, when you're in a dialogue with an individual and they just hostile and angry, all you can do for that person is pray about it because you can't work through that. There's no way you're going to work through that. And what I'm hearing is that the person is angry and they're not willing to listen. There's really nothing you can do about that. Absolutely nothing. Comment. The late pastor Greg Poe partnered with several other pastors in Tampa. We all came together in one building to discuss our community 
judges, lawyers, law enforcement, city council members, and even EMTs were there, along with black and white churches. There was an agenda, and at the end, we even worshiped together. It was beautiful, and I think that's beautiful. And I, I'm glad you shared that with us because open dialogue, and it sounds like you all did it in a wonderful way. You had judges, you had lawyers, you had law enforcement, you had city council members, you had EMTs were there along with black and white churches. See, you can, you can accomplish something when you have that kind of thing. Really, to be honest with you, that's what I'm hoping will happen as a result of this teaching. I really do. I'm, I'm believing for that to happen as a result of this teaching. I wanted to get the teaching out so we would have something, especially pastors and ministers and Christians will have something to talk in an intelligent uh, manner. Um, since we are living in a uh, since we're living in a cancel culture, is it wrong for Christians to call out people via social media? We're living in a cancel culture. Cancel culture. Is it wrong for Christians? social media where if someone does something wrong, you call them out on social media and they'll say that person is canceled. Okay, I got you. I got you. In other words, they're canceling the person out. Mm -hmm. Well, you you know, let me let me let me let me say something about it. Um, I uh, was asked about the fact that in my discussion on race, I brought up President Trump, and uh, it was asked, shouldn't we, and I'm paraphrasing now, is it right to call out a person's name in a public forum? Okay. And I thought that was a great question because the scripture says, go to your brother and talk to him in private and work it out and all that. Well, I'm going to take the scenic route and get to this question. I uh, brought up the president and I'm going to bring him up in my next series because he's the leader of our nation and he is influencing behavior. He has more influence than anybody in our country. He's the most powerful man on the planet. So we have to bring him in the dialogue because of his influence. Now, when you, when you talk about calling people out, you know, I think healthy disagreement is wonderful. I mean, I think there's nothing wrong. I've said it all through this teaching. You may not agree with everything that I'm saying. I've said it all the way through it. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with calling out people on social media if you disagree. I think it's how we do it. I think we, if we're just fussing to be fussing, I don't fuss. I mean, I give my point, you give your point, and I respect your right to give your point, and I'm not going to get into any name calling and all that kind of stuff. I'll call out what you said. I'll say you said this, but 
If people cancel you, they cancel you. There are people who want to have an intelligent discussion. And those are the people who are going to drive the movement for equality forward. Uh, how do you feel about a lot of young African-American men identifying as Hebrew Israelites? That question came up um, some time ago. You know, I've had, I've had the young brothers approach me talking about Hebrew Israelites. I've listened to some of the, some of the, you know, some of the things that they've said. You know, I've been a student of the Bible for over 40 years. I don't see anything from a scriptural standpoint of black Hebrew Israelites. I think it's spurious. I think it is uh, not, it is not uh, orthodox Christianity. I don't think it's healthy because you get into all this dialogue about Jesus and see, here's, here's the way I look at it. There is a fundamental belief system that determines whether it's Christianity. Fundamental. You can find that in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 through 2. It talks about repentance from dead works. It talks about faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms. It talks about the resurrection of the dead, the laying on of hands, and eternal judgment. The, those are the fundamental doctrines of Christ. When people come up with the apocalypse, and they got the apocalypse, and they, they put Jesus on a lower standard, Holy Spirit is not really a part of it. I think it, I don't think it is true Christianity. That's my personal opinion. I don't think it's it, it is a soulish, intellectual kind of thing. It is not of the spirit. It's a soulish thing. It's an intellectual thing. Anything that you can't personally bear witness to by the Holy Spirit, and you have to totally be dependent on these particular teachers. And we don't know where they're getting the information from. I would, I would not get involved with it. That's my personal belief on it. I would not personally get involved with it. Uh, I've had heated fellowship over the phrase, I don't see color. I just see people. My response to people that say that is, I understand the sentiment behind the phrase, but so but so find it offensive, I want to be seen. God created our unique differences, and they should be acknowledged and not dumbed down to make mainly white people comfortable. My question is, how do I say that graciously but unapologetically? I am a black woman who wants to be seen. Listen, the, the way you say it is you say it respectfully because I think sometimes it is important to understand intent. If I understand your intent, in other words, what you're trying to say, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I agree with you. I want to be seen as a black individual, a black person. It's all right for you to be seen as a white person or Hispanic person to say 
I'm colorblind is really not totally accurate because nobody is colorblind. We have eyes. We can see white people, black people, red people, yellow people, brown people. But the sentiment and the intent is that I'm not prejudiced. I'm not uh, into racism. I believe in equality. So give people the benefit of the doubt. Make your point and just be respectfully respectful. I'm going to look at some of the questions that came in. I often hear black people talk about what black churches is not doing in the community as a reason why they don't come to black churches or morality issues in the black church. Like white people are not committing these sins, just black ministers and their sheep. We don't stop going to the doctor just because one doctor did wrong. Do you see this type of mentality as self-hate? I said that in my teaching, I think this mentality is a form of self-hate. And I also think it is a plantation mentality. And I said this in my teaching, if a person, a black person wants to or feel led to go to a white church, and I'm using those terms because we're talking race, then that's their business. There's nothing wrong with a person doing that. But then to turn back around and talk about the black church, because people who say that haven't been to every black church. And if a person who's black turn around and talk about black churches and and they've been to every black church that says something about their stability, that they are not very stable. I uh, whenever I hear people do that, it kind of irked me a little bit because there are too many. It's a form. It, it's a form of a reverse racism. It really is. It's a form of reverse racism. It's generalizing black churches is this way. Black churches are taking money. Black churches is not living right. Black churches. That's a form of racism because there are too many churches in the country, too many churches in our very city. I can call the names of young and old black pastors who love God, love people. They're doing ministry. They are making a difference. So when a person turn around and call black churches, number one, all black churches is this way. That is a plantation mentality. And it's, it's really ludicrous to me because you're absolutely right. It is saying that white pastors and white churches got it all together. None of them are immoral. None of them are, che- none of them are cheating. None of them are doing, right, are doing wrong. And we all know that is, I almost said, but I want to be respectful. It is, um, uh, it is a generalization. And I think we should be very careful. Uh, I think we should be very careful with generalizations. Uh, why do you feel some black blacks cross over to white churches? 
Well, I'll reiterate uh, this. Um, I, you know, I'm like this. I like to believe the best of people, but I've been pastoring for 40 years. So I know some things just by experience. I believe that some blacks cross over to white churches because they're led by the spirit. It would be remiss of me to think that people could be led by the spirit to my church, but they can't be led by the spirit to a white church. Why can't God do that? So I think that there are Christians who pray and Christians who want to be led by the spirit. And they, they move into a, a predominantly white setting because they feel led by the Spirit. On the other hand, I think people are people. Black people are people. White people are people. And people join churches for different reasons. Some are led by the Spirit. Let's put this, push that off the table. Some are led by a better deal. And that's true in black churches. People will change churches because they feel they're getting a better deal. We have a commercialized, we live in a commercialized society, and people deal with churches the same way they shop for clothes, the same way they shop for cars. They try to get a better deal. So some are cross over into a white churches because they want a better deal. Some are just like any black people. They cross over because they friend cross over. They buddy cross over. They mother, their family member cross over. A lot of people join churches. They don't pray about it. They don't pray at all. You going, I'm going. You joining, I'm joining. That's true of white, of blacks joining white churches, just like it's true of blacks joining black churches. And, and then sometimes people are offended. You know, people uh, sometimes come to my church and they're offended. They got offended at what happened at the other church, you know, and, you know, and they want to tell me about the other church, but I stop them. I stop them. You're not, I stopped several people who want to tell me about their pastor and tell me about the church. And I have personally sent them to their pastor to talk to their pastor because I'm not going to let you talk to me about some other pastor and about another church. That doesn't build me up. It just shows me that you're not very spiritual. So sometimes people cross over because they are offended. So there are a lot of different re reasons why people uh, do. Why do you think, and then I'll go back to the other list. Why do you think the evangelical support, evangelical support candidates that support racism and say nothing against it? Okay, I think in all fairness, uh, I think evangelists, evangelicals, both Christians and pastors, uh, support candidates that many of us believe is connected to racism because they have a sometimes a narrow view of Christianity.
And what I mean by that, and I talked about that when I was talking about branded Christianity, they focus on the abortion issue and they focus on the same sex issue, but there is very little focus on racism. And um, I, I, I think that there are a number of reasons why the church is not dealing with racism. Um, I think, um, and to get in my next series, I think some of it is blind spots. I think some of it is a lack of empathy. And I think some of it is denial. And that, and, and I'm going to talk about that. Will you talk question that came in? Are some of these questions on the bottom came in first? Okay. Okay. Will you talk to white people? Will you talk to white people to get their perspective in preparing for your study? Uh, will you talk to white people uh, and get their perspective in preparing for your study? Um, I think he, he, now you may disagree with my my reply to that. Um, I want white people's perspective, and I think white people's perspective is important. Now, don't get me wrong. Now, listen to me carefully. But white people are not fighting for equality. I mean, think about it. White people are not fighting for equality. They're not fighting for uh, uh, fighting against injustice. So the Spirit of God spoke to me. And what I did is I've taken what the Spirit of God has given me and I'm sharing it. But I'm also open and hopefully some of these questions can come from white because whites listen to the podcast. It can come from whites. I am open. I am open to hear white people's perspective. But here's the issue, and this may sound controversial. It may sound controversial, but I don't mean it. I don't mean it to be that way. But this is an honest discussion. I think that white people and white pastors are used to being the expert in things. They are used to leading they're used to being the expert. I don't have a problem with a person, white person's perspective, but white people can't be the expert in this area. They can't be the expert. Dialogue, yes. Input, yes. But they can't be the expert. And, and that's kind of a humbling thing, it's, it's kind of an, uh, it, you know, it requires a de degree of humility on that. But perspective, don't have any problem with it at all. In fact, I, 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 I want white pastors and, and, and white Christians to give me some information. Give me, okay, give me what you believe. Give me, give me what you believe about racism. Show me what you've taught about racism. Show me your thoughts about racism. Uh, 
Uh, when I got the mandate to talk about it, I really didn't have time to go around and, and get everybody's opinion about it, but we're entering into a stage now because I'm getting my information out. I'm hoping that I have some feedback from whites and white pastors, and then we'll put it all together. I think that was a, I think that's a, a good, good question. Um, are you open to interviewing white pastors on your podcast to discuss race on an open forum using some of these questions being posed today? It will be interesting to hear their response. Yes, I'm open. Yes, I'm open. Yes. Yes, I'm open. So if you're a white pastor, you contact me and we'll work some out and uh, we're going to discuss it. Okay, we, 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 we're, going, we're going to discuss it. Um, I think that's great. Comment, I grew up in the black belt where Jim Crow laws were still being practiced. My grandparents were sharecroppers. Picking cotton was a way of life for us. Unfortunately, with all the issues around racism, it's quite challenging for me. I know we as Christians are commanded to love, but it's challenging having grew up in and in having firsthand experience with racism. So I've had to go back and listen to your series on Save, Sanctified, and Prejudice. Well, that is a great comment. And that's what I mean. Sometimes you may have a comment. It may not be a question, but you have a comment. I think that's a great comment. I think it's a great comment because of the, of the honesty in it, the, the transparency in it. Uh, you grew up in the black belt where there were Jim Crow laws. You have firsthand experience of it. You, you will struggle because of experience. And that's where mind renewal comes in. And I'm so happy to hear you say that you've had to go back and listen to the series on Save, Sanctified, and Prejudice. I think that's great. Because God can break it. I was talking to... I was talking to a uh, spirit-filled man who loves God, a leader in our church. And he said to me that he was enjoying the series. And he said to me that he knows that God can deliver you from racism. He said, I know it. He said, I know it because I hated white people. He said, I hated white people. And he talked about how the Lord delivered him from that racist mentality and that racist stronghold. And even through a transitional period, he even ended up at one point under a white pastor. But he talked about how God delivered him from that. Uh, you can be delivered, whether you're black or white, you can be delivered, but you have to be open. You can't be in denial. You can't, you know, you can't, you, you gotta be open to the spirit of God and any person can be, uh, delivered. Um, 
Do you think that one of the reasons some white people don't respect black people is because they see how we treat one another? I think that's a great question. Um, I think that's a great question. In fact, it's such a good question. It's such an outstanding question that I'm going to read it again. Do you think that one of the reasons some white people don't respect black people is because they see how we treat one another? Wonderful question. Okay. Here's my thoughts on it. I don't think that I'm going to let white people off the hook. I, I don't think I'm going to let white people off the hook through this question. I think that black people disrespect, well, some, and that's what I talked about in Black Hate, and I'm going to hit it again in my next series, Black hate and a plantation mentality, we all know that there are times where we don't respect ourselves. And we all know or should know that we have issues in our community that are unrelated to racism. There are issues that we can fix ourselves without white people helping us. There are issues. On the other hand, white people have to be accountable for their own racism. They have to be accountable for it. They cannot use, well, y'all killing each other so I can hate you. No, 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 no. That is an excuse. That is a justification. I think accountability should flow every way it should, and, and, and that's why in my, my new series that I'm going to be talking about, I'm going to go back over the black hate plantation mentality because black people need to be held accountable. I'm going to go back over the white looting because uh, white people need to be held accountable. And then I'm going to go over, I'm going to talk about President Trump and coded language. Everybody needs to be held accountable. So, I don't think white people have a right to justify their racism by how we treat each other. I think we should be held accountable. Pastor, once we fix the black and white issue, then how can we fix the black on black issue? How can we encourage our people to value themselves and their blackness when some blacks look up to such, look up to such negativity things like entertainment? Well, I don't think I don't think we have to wait until the racism thing is fixed to work on ourselves. I think we should be working on ourselves at the same time that we're dealing with the racism thing. And I think that that both of these things can be done at the same time. I think that one of the things that I think we need to challenge white society and the white power brokers is we lost something in white looting. We lost something when blacks were taken out of biblical history 
when blacks were taken out of world history, when blacks were taken out of American history, we lost something. We lost the inspiration of seeing ourselves. So a part of us fixing us is that we've got to get black history back in, we got to, not back, but we got to get black history in schools. We got to get black history in elementary schools, high schools. We got to get black history and we got to make black history, American history, not an elective. So a big part of blacks fixing themselves, if we call it that, is we've got to reform some things, okay? Just like we're, we're coming against symbols of confederacy, statues and all those things, we're coming against symbols of that. We have to also interject something back in See, it's not, it's not enough to just tear down and move out something. We got to start putting something back in. We've got to put some black history in there. We got to put, we got to put something in. And, and I think once we start putting something in, we're going to have some inspiration to look at ourselves in a respectful way. And then we won't have to just look to entertainers and athletes because we made a tremendous contribution to American history, world history, biblical history. So once we start putting some things in, then it will help us to have the self-esteem, you know, we got to put some things in in order to have the healthy self-esteem. Can you please elaborate on the difference between forgiving the past while still holding those in authority accountable? Often the perception is that as a Christian, once you have forgiven, then you shouldn't hold people accountable. If you bring anything from the past up, then you haven't really forgiven. Outstanding question. These are just amazing questions. These are, oh, listen. Listen, these are just outstanding questions. Listen, there is a difference between forgiveness. Forgiveness is a heart issue. I forgive you in my heart. I release you in my spirit. I don't want, as I forgive you, I don't want anything. And that's what I was talking about, loving our president, but we can't respect him. Listen, I, when I forgive you, I don't want anything bad to happen to you. I don't want to hurt you. You know what I mean? But at the same time, you have to have, watch this now, reformation and accountability. You cannot continue to do certain things. And when I call you out on it, you say you haven't forgiven me. You know, it, it's, it's no different than an abusive spouse. Let's say you have an abusive spouse and that husband, we'll use the husband because he's usually the husband. The husband is physically violent. He hits on his wife and, and he slaps her around. Now, 
personally, she should remove herself from that abuse. She should separate herself. Somehow, and there have been times where somehow there, there can be restoration. There can be, rest, there can be reconciliation. If he's willing to get counsel, she's got to forgive him whether they get back together or not. She may say, listen, I can't deal with this anymore. I, I can't deal with this anymore. He may say, I don't need counseling. I don't want counseling. So now it's never going to be reconciled. But let's say he repents. Let's say he get on a counseling. Let's say he have accountability partners. And let's say through counseling, there's a restoration. He cannot continue to hit on her and say, I thought you forgive me. No, there has to be change. Forgiveness doesn't change accountability and it doesn't uh, entail change. You can forgive and not have no change. And see, that's what's happening in our country. That's what happened in our country. There is an unusual awareness in the world, not in the church, but in the world that not only were we responsible for some things, but we have to change some things. We have to change some things. Accountability involves change. It's change. If you don't have, you can have forgiveness and not have change. So I think that is a wonderful question. Comment. Thanks for not sugarcoating this subject, Pastor, because most pastors won't touch this subject because of fear. Yeah, and, and, and that may be true, and it probably is true. It's, it's a difficult subject. It, you know, it's, it's a difficult subject. It's a difficult subject. It, it, you know, there are satanic forces that fighting us. Um, I've had fear try to come on me and, and all this kind of stuff. And the thing that helps me in this is, number one, God told me not to be prejudiced and God told me it needs to be dealt with. I feel that I'm called to talk about it. I feel that I'm, I'm led to talk about it. I feel that I have a mandate to talk about it. So I'm not afraid, like I'm afraid of a person, like I'm not afraid of a person and that kind of thing, because I feel like if I'm obeying God, he'll keep me, you know, he'll, he'll keep me. And then some persecution kind of come with the territory. Um, I remember you speaking about politics and the negative Christianity brand. Do you believe that church and state should truly be separated in order to move forward? For example, encouraging the congregation to pray for the police and the president while failing to mention praying for the black community that is dealing with systemic racism. Well, when I talked about Christianity as a brand, I wasn't talking about the church separating itself. I think Christians should be involved in politics. I think Christians should run for office. I think Christians should vote. Um, I was challenging pastors primarily that when we get caught up in branded Christianity, where we're pushing a party, then we lose our voice. 
we can't, we become a vote. We can't really talk against the, the things that are wrong in our party. We can't be a prophet to our party. You know, the prophets didn't sit around and just say, you're wonderful. They didn't say to the king, you're just wonderful. I love you. You know, I love you, king. No, no, the prophets spoke and held the king accountable. So I was talking about not separating ourselves and not getting involved. I was talking about how sometimes as pastors, we get caught up in it and become a party. And when you become a party, it become there's inherent separation. There's going to be an inherent division because if I am pushing the Republican Party, I can't speak to the Democrats. Now I've lost my voice to the Democrats. I become a part of the problem. I become a part of the division. So that's basically what I was saying. Do you think the body of Christ is asking God for revelation about racism? No, I do not. I do not think the body of Christ is asking God for revelation about racism. I think if we keep talk, teaching on it, then people will have an epiphany they will see the need. Sometimes we don't pray for something because we don't see the need. You know, I had a problem that I would, I shared with you all about. I had a problem with rejection. Well, I, I didn't pray about my rejection because I didn't, I, I didn't pray about my rejection because I didn't know I had a problem with rejection, but when the spirit of God revealed it to me, I had an epiphany, then I could pray about it. I don't think the church is praying about racism because the church doesn't see racism as a problem. And I think what God is doing is he's going around the church and there are some things so unstable in our world is forcing us. <laughs> see, see, a lot of people, they focusing on the looting and, 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 and uh, riots and stuff like that. But let me tell you something. God is moving in this world. There are some things that are so different. You got major companies talking about making changes. Major companies. People donating large sums of money. People saying we were wrong. There is some things happening that I believe the church is going to catch up with. But right now, God is working outside of the church. And I think there's going to be so much instability because really what the church is doing right now, they're praying for everything to settle down. Come on, settle down. Go on back in your house. And let, let's go on, settle down now. Y'all settle down. It's not going to settle down. It's not going to settle down. And I think praying Christians should be praying that it don't settle down. I'm not praying for it to settle down. I'm praying for there to be an even higher awareness, changing in laws and change in policies, change in practices. And I think it's, it's, it's unsettling. But that's the way Reformation is. Reformation is unsettling. It is, is going to be very difficult as time goes on for us to walk in our pulpits 
and not talk about racism. It's going to be extremely difficult. God is making it difficult for us. That's what he's doing. He's making it difficult for us. And it's going to force us to pray because Christians are going to stop taking that stuff. You got to stop taking that stuff. You can't, can't just take it. You can't gloss over it. You have to resist racism. Black folk got to resist it. White folk got to resist it. You got to resist it. It is an evil thing. Now, we are about one minute away from an hour. I am, here's what, I'm, here's what I want to do. I think that we had a wonderful time. I, got, I still got questions on my sheet. I still got questions that's being sent in. Let's go to next week. I'm going to take all these questions that you brought in in your comments, and I'm going to bring them back to the table next week. And we're going to go as long as you want to talk. As long as you want to talk, we're going to go. I have no agenda. If you want to go past next week, we'll go past next week. I have no agenda. But we got enough questions right now to, to deal with next week. No doubt about it. We got enough questions. Listen, I want to say, say this to you. Um, what is happening here with us, I believe is important. And I want you in your world to share the podcast, share what we've shared, share some of these questions, share some things that you see. In other words, help me to get it out. Let's get it out. Let, let's, in a positive way, positive now, let's stir up some things. Let's not just keep it to ourselves. Let's push share and get it as far as we can. Listen, these were just absolutely outstanding questions on my list. I got to about six of the, the 12 on my list, but there's eight. Actually, there's 10 left on this list. So we, 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 we got plenty to work with and you can still send them in because I'm going to go as long as you want to do it. I love you. Thank you so very much. It, I'm learning. And next week, I'll tell you the series. I'm going to begin another series on Sunday, and I'm going to finish out on uh, healing this coming Sunday. And then I'm going to begin a series uh, entitled Muted Voice. It's about seven episodes. I'm going to begin that on television and on our Sunday uh, uh, service. So listen, what you're sharing with me is helping me. I'm learning again, white Christians, white pastors. If we can do something, if we can do a forum, I want you to know that I'm open to it. I think it'll be wonderful. They can email your questions to pastor at faithchapel.net. Pastor at faithchapel.net. Thank you.